The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up into heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I hate mess. It drives me crazy when I sweep and mop the floor only to have milk immediately spilled upon it, which in my house happens 100% of the time. I hated it when the boys were little and I would watch their bedding only to have someone, or more likely all three, wake up in the middle of the night puking in their sheets. I hate sticky doorknobs and salty winter boots, and I hate, 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 big pet peeve, cracking an egg into a bowl and seeing shards of shell slip to the bottom and elude me as I chase them around with a spoon. Now having said that, I have given up a lot of things. I have given up trying to keep the bathrooms of my house clean, my office at LCM, big mess. There's a unique and a triumphant resignation to messes that simply must be. As much as I hate mess, I understand this is a part of life. Whether it is a kid-related mess, or messy relationships, or mess at work, to be human is then to be messy. Mess can be annoying, or even tormenting, unless we pause to consider the beauty in messiness. For example, persistence is beautifully messy business. Senator Elizabeth Warren knows this. When she was silenced in 2017 by Senator 
the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who invoked an obscure Rule 19, if you recall, when she dared criticize the Attorney General nominee, Senator Jeff Sessions. McConnell said, Senator Warren was giving a lengthy speech. She appeared to violate the rule. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Undeterred, Senator Warren then took her letter and read it in its entirety outside the Senate doors and streamed it live. The silencing of Senator Warren resurrected a classic feminist phrase, nevertheless, she persisted and created a maelstrom of social media backlash around the world and a sort of verbal brawl, mostly by women who were tired of being told to sit down and be quiet. Thanks for the new battle cry, an angry tweeter remarked. Despite repeated attempts to silence her or call her inappropriate names like Pocahontas, Senator Warren prevailed. Currently, she continues to fight against the racial prejudice in our criminal justice system and extols the power and covenant of unions in the United States. She has persisted throughout this whole messy deal, and what a beautiful thing. The woman in today's gospel is also persistent. She approaches Jesus on behalf of her daughter, who is very sick, and there's nothing messier than a sick kid. This woman does this at great personal risk. First of all, she's a woman, unimportant enough in ancient times to render her nameless, and she dares to approach a man. Furthermore, she approaches a man with a request, no, a demand. Lastly, she isn't even Jewish as Jesus is. She is Gentile. She is Syrophoenician. She lives in Tyre. She is a female pagan in a land of pagans. Because of all of these reasons, she has no business approaching Jesus at all. Nevertheless, she approaches him and says, I beg you, I beg you to heal my daughter. Jesus' reply is shocking in its severity. No, he says, I am not here for you. Scholars have tried various traditional methods to justify this response. Maybe Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to be persistent. Maybe Jesus is testing the woman's faith. Maybe Jesus is caught in a deep internal struggle with the prejudices from his own upbringing against people from the region of Tyre. Or maybe he is a first century Palestinian man, fully human, and therefore not above being challenged from time to time. In other words, maybe this woman really, truly, actually corrects him. Maybe her persistence sets Jesus back on his heels in a sort of holy crap moment when his claim that I have not come for you prompts her persistent reply of, oh, excuse me, sir, I beg to differ. I do not accept your no. While this is Jesus' first eye-opening run-in with a mother with a sick kid at home, 
He is no stranger to the demands of strong women in his time. Recall his own mother's demand that he turn water into wine now in his first public miracle at the wedding in Cana. So consider this. What if Jesus looks at this strange, peculiar, and persistent woman and sees the fierce and defiant love she has for her child and realizes they have more in common than not? That they would both do anything for their loved ones, even die? Does this somehow diminish or weaken our idea of Jesus as God, or can it strengthen it? This notion that human risk and persistence on behalf of another person is actually something God adores and honors. The mother is persistent, she prevails. Her daughter is cured, a messy and beautiful story. We simply can't talk about messy persistence this week without talking about Colin Kaepernick. Please note, this is the second week in a row which I have referred to sports, specifically football, in my sermon, which only proves the extent to which I will go to be current in illustrating how important the gospel is today. <laughs> you know the story. In 2016, the then quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Kaepernick, began kneeling during the national anthem at NFL games in an effort to raise awareness about racial injustices including police brutality against African Americans, he persisted nonviolently in a way that called the question of, does our flag still wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? Question mark. Our national anthem ends with a question. And his protest answered that question with a resounding no. However, remember that Kaepernick knelt on behalf of others, not himself. He himself was drawing a rather comfortable salary of $11.9 million for the 2016 season, and he had not had his life threatened due to racial profiling, but rather Kaepernick knelt on behalf of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and over 100 other unarmed black men who were shot and killed by police in 2015 alone. His persistence has created quite a mess. However, according to an article just yesterday in Newsweek, police killings of unarmed black men have dropped by more than half since 2016. Has his persistence begun to prevail? We learned this week that Nike has hired Kaepernick to be the face of its 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign. His slogan is, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. His persistence is admirable. Whether you agree with the politics or not, I know that there are some that say, hey buddy, your job is easy. Stand up, play football, and repeat. But what if we all did that? Slaves to our salary? Without challenging social mores that might not oppress me personally, but others certainly? He's one of my heroes for this. Maybe not yours, and that's okay. Because he took the risk to persistently act on behalf of others. I don't think Kaepernick had any idea when he was starting that day when he dropped a knee any more than Rosa Parks did that day in Mon Montgomery, Alabama in 1955. 
These actions that call the question, if it's true for some, is it true for all? Is liberty true for some, or is liberty true for all? There is no liberty if some are still enslaved. This question is not only a question of civil rights, but it is fundamentally a gospel question. Can gospel be gospel for some and not for all? The answer is no. The gospel isn't gospel for all. It's not gospel. The brilliance in our reading today from the book of Mark is that through action, through instruction or accident, Jesus honors those who persistently work and pray and beg on behalf of others, even when things get messy. Jesus, then, is all about advocacy. Jesus rewards persistence because he knows how difficult it is. Jesus knows people will refuse you and deny you and persecute you for standing up for or kneeling on behalf of others. The challenge here is that we don't always get to see resolution in persistence, like the woman or the deaf man in today's gospel. Sometimes the daughter isn't healed. Sometimes hearing or speech are not restored. But remember that prevailing justice and success are not the same thing. My persistence may not be individually rewarded, but maybe yours is. And can we find communal joy in that as a body, if not as an individual? Can we be persistently selfless as a body, lifting up the other first before myself? This is messy and challenging stuff that Jesus invites us into today. This moves us from Jesus loves me, this I know, to Jesus loves you, this I know, even if you are black or Muslim or gay or different from me in whatever way. This is radical justice, persistent love on behalf of another person, which is why in just a few moments you're going to hear the prayers of intercession, which is why they are so fundamentally beautiful. Even if at times they might seem numbingly boring, they are in fact bold and brilliant. They call us to pray for everything that has being in their formulaic pattern that moves us from that which is most cosmic and universal to that which is uncomfortably close at hand, including God's reign of mercy, firstly for those who do not look like me or speak like me or pray like me, and lastly to me. Intercession lies at the heart of this morning's gospel, begging on behalf of others, as the woman did for her daughter, as the friends did for that man. Martin Luther King Jr. has this great quote about this. He says, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Persistence, then, is a truly messy business. Persistence necessarily involves things like spit, and sweat and blood and tears, as we see in this gospel text. Think of Ruby Bridges, who at six years old was spat upon as the first black student to walk through the doors at William France Elementary School in Louisiana in 1960, giving persistent courage to the ongoing fight for African American civil rights. Think of the sweat of her enslaved ancestors in the cotton fields of Mississippi who persistently sang gospel hymns of freedom and liberation. Think of the blood of Matthew Shepard, beaten and tortured and left to die in Laramie, Wyoming, 1998, because he was gay. 
adding fuel to the persistent march of the LGBTQ community around the world to end hate crime. Think of the tears wept by the Native Americans leaving the trail to land west of the Mississippi as they were driven from their homeland, or Mormons on their trek westward as they were ousted from this land because of religious intolerance. History, which persistently calls our country back to its claim of religious freedom for all people, not just white Christians. Think of tears wept by women who marched in the 19th century just to get a vote because they were tired of being told to sit down and be quiet as women persistently move from kitchen to the public arena with each ballot. Wave after persistent wave of sweat and spit and blood and tears as generations march and demonstrate and beg for liberty for all, not just for some, as a political human figure and the Son of God. Jesus participates in this same persistence as he overturns literally the power structures that oppress and marginalize and opens up a new reality for all people, not just for some ethatha, the word that we heard in our gospel, for all people, not just one. Slowly, one persistent kick at a time, walls are knocked down. Erosion begins with one single drop of water. The kingdom of God then is not afraid of or deterred by human mess. Jesus himself was spat upon, sweated in Gethsemane, bled on the cross, cried tears of anguish. The kingdom of God then is in the trenches with us. It is Jesus mixing spit and mud in order to heal. It is a sweaty Jesus walking from desert town to desert town to preach. It is Jesus touching a bleeding woman. It is Jesus weeping in the face of death, crying out over the injustice of Jerusalem. It is Jesus letting slobbery children crawl all over him. The kingdom of God persistently spins towards us in today's gospel offering a gorgeously messy glimpse of what love looks like in public, which is Cornell West's definition of justice. Be persistent in your public faith, and may your ears and eyes be opened and your tongue loosened to stand up for or kneel on behalf of others, trusting that others are standing up for you and kneeling on your behalf. It is messy and it is risky, and yet together we are so strong. We are witnesses to a cosmic ethapa, an opening, a breaking open of God's kingdom in our midst, and it looks like an egg being broken open over a giant bowl with shards of shattered shell flying everywhere, so very messy, but no one has time to care as all stand in anticipation of the feast to come. Amen.